It's TechBiter Worldwide with Bill Flynn. The latest on programs and policies, helpful hints, and a bit of occasional nonsense. All in more or less plain English. Podcast number 808 for the 9th of September, 2022. This week, now that more people connect their computers to external sound systems, Windows needs a better way to modify its audio outputs. Fortunately, a couple of open source applications are just what's needed. In short circuits, as good as Adobe Acrobat is for working with PDF documents, sometimes there is a better choice and you can obtain it for free. Apple has ordered its employees to return to the office at least three days a week, and after enjoying two years of not commuting, many are pushing back. And 20 years ago, only on the website, in 2002, Walmart was offering astoundingly cheap computers priced at just $200. It wasn't exactly a powerhouse, and it didn't exactly run Windows. There is one thing that every Windows computer is missing, a decent way to control sound output. It doesn't make much difference if you're using the computer's built-in speakers, but if you prefer better sound from external speakers or headphones, Windows still can't provide it unless you add an equalizer. Even cheap stereo systems have at least bass and treble adjustments. Better systems have a multi-band equalizer. Yet what does Microsoft give us with Windows? A way to select which device receives audio output and a volume control. That's it. Microsoft couldn't figure out how to add even a basic five-band equalizer? Really? There is an enhanced audio option in sound properties, but if you can hear much or any difference after switching it on, your ears are better than mine. Well, maybe that's okay, because a couple of open source applications can be combined to create a very sophisticated 13-band equalizer that's easy to use. Now, 13 bands is the default. If you want extreme control, you can expand it to 31. One of the applications, Equalizer APO, creates the equalizer, but it has a complex interface that only a sound engineer could love. Fortunately, there's the Peace Equalizer interface, and it eliminates the need to work directly with Equalizer APO. I've installed this combination on all of my Windows computers, even on a tablet computer with tiny speakers. The speakers provide surprisingly good sound for their size, and the equalizer does make a noticeable difference. To avoid complications, it's important to install Equalizer APO first and then Peace Equalizer Interface. You'll find links to both of those installers on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Equalizer APO will install itself for your computer's default audio device, but if you have other devices, be sure to include them during the setup process or use the app's built-in interface to add the other devices immediately after installation. If you don't do that, the piece interface will notice when you activate one of the other devices and offer to enable it, but when that happens, you have to reboot the computer. Taking a quick side trip through Equalizer APO's configuration settings will save some time for you. 
Install the Peace Equalizer interface next, and note that depending on the antivirus software you use, you might see a malware warning. Most antivirus applications have fixed this false positive, but maybe some have not yet. The developer uses AutoIT to create the user interface. However, because AutoIT can be used by fraudsters to create malware, its mere presence can cause a problem with a badly managed antivirus application. Many applications are developed using the programming language C++, which can also be used to create malware. However, antivirus programs seem to understand that the mere use of a language isn't a valid indicator of malware. So you probably won't see a warning, but if you do, disregard it. Peace Equalizer provides settings for dance, rock, classic, bass boost, bass and treble boost, and several more. But the real power comes from the settings you create. One problem I've discovered is a result of my aging ears and decisions made by motion picture producers. Explosions, closing doors, footsteps, and other Foley effects are a lot more powerful when low frequencies are emphasized. That's fine for the sound effects, not so good for voices. All too often, dialogue gets lost in that low-frequency mud. So I created a filter that I call Motion Picture Bass Rumble Cut for my primary computer. That's the computer that has a decent external sound system. To eliminate the muffled low frequencies, I found minus 8 decibels to work well up to about 50 hertz, minus 4.5 and 2.5 decibels at 83 hertz and 166 hertz. Starting around 1000 hertz, I increase volume slightly. The external sound system also needs a bit more volume than the computer provides, so I've set 5.5 decibels of preamplification. These settings don't work well on the tablet computer. Because the speakers on that device are so small, low frequencies aren't reproduced well anyway. So I use minimal attenuation for all of the low frequencies and a bit of emphasis on the high frequencies. To avoid clipping, the preamp setting is limited to 3 decibels. The tablet's sound system will always be limited, but the output is much better with an equalizer. One group of settings won't be right for every situation. Rock music often sounds better with gain on both low and high frequencies, classical music with a different group of settings, vocal music with a boost from about 1000 to 8000 hertz, and spoken word recordings with a slight emphasis in the lower ranges. All of these settings need to be matched to the speakers or headphones you're using. There are no right or wrong settings. When the sound is right for you, it's right. It's important to know that the equalizer may be disabled when a Windows update is installed. That's not something that Equalizer APO or the Peace Equalizer interface can control. It's a Windows thing. Also, if you turn the useless Microsoft Enhance audio function on, Equalizer APO will be disabled. Fixing the problem may be as simple as opening the settings panel in Equalizer APO, or you may need to reinstall it. If you run into a problem you can't resolve, both Equalizer APO and the Peace Equalizer interface offer user-based support or a forum for discussing how to use the applications. Check them out. You'll find links to download both on the TechBiter Worldwide website. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? 
There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the Donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat. short circuits, Adobe Acrobat is the clear winner for anyone who needs to perform complex tasks on a PDF document, but sometimes the free open source Ocular is a better choice. Both Acrobat and Ocular can open PDF and PostScript files, of course. Both can open TIFF images and other kinds of image files such as PNG and JPEG, but Adobe will convert those files to PDF. Ocular allows limited editing of image files and then saves the file in its original format. Acrobat cannot open an ebook format. Although Ocular can, the results aren't particularly good or necessarily repeatable. Ocular can also open XPS files, that's Microsoft's little used competing format for PDF. There's no question that the Adobe product is the more powerful application with its ability to create a PDF from other file formats, combine multiple files into a single PDF, edit PDF documents, electronically sign a document or request an e-signature, rearrange or export pages, add comments or send the file to another user for comments, apply protections to limit how the file can be used, create forms, and more very powerful product. But starting in mid-2022, an unwelcome feature appeared. When Adobe Acrobat opens, it displays a not responding message for quite a long time, up to 40 seconds sometimes, occasionally even longer. This can also occur when a new document is loaded or even when the user simply changes the size of the window or moves it to a different location on the screen. 30 or 40 seconds seems like an eternity when you're waiting on a computer. When I need to perform extensive operations on a PDF document, Acrobat is the application I choose. But Ocular is faster when I simply need to open a PDF document for reading. It opens the file instantly and offers many of Acrobat's navigation features, such as thumbnail, annotation, bookmark, and index or contents view. Annotations can be made with highlights or text without entering a separate edit mode, as is required in Acrobat. Ocular is surprisingly robust. Being an open source application, support is limited, but the price, $0, is excellent. It also runs on Windows, Mac OS, and Linux computers. It's built as a universal document viewer and was developed by the KDE community. Although, by default, Ocular honors digital rights management settings that may prohibit printing of a PDF document, that setting can be disabled in the program's configuration. Ocular is released under GPL version 2+, so the source code is available, along with information about how to contribute to the Ocular repository. To give Ocular a try, download it from the KDE website. You'll find a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com.
It's difficult to stuff the genie back into the bottle, or the office worker back into the office. Two years of working from home during the pandemic showed workers that the office is less important than many people thought. The problem seems to be convincing managers. Instead of wasting time commuting in heavy traffic, paying for fuel, and dealing with high auto insurance premiums, workers found that they could save an hour or more, sometimes a lot more, every day, cut fuel expenses, and pay less for auto insurance when they commuted 30 seconds from one room to another. Zoom conferences replaced in-person meetings, parents had more time to spend with their children, and projects continued to be completed. Now that COVID has changed from being an epidemic to something that's endemic, many managers want their people back in the office where they can be managed. Certainly, being in the office has certain advantages. Chance encounters in hallways can lead to breakthrough ideas. Being able to see and interact with co-workers can be beneficial. So, okay, being in the office at least part of the time probably is a good idea. Much of my working career involved flexible hours. On days that I worked in the office, I usually arrived at 6 and left at 3 to avoid the frustrations of rush hour traffic. I worked from home two or three days a week, and one involved project that required a lot of uninterrupted effort kept me at home for maybe three or four weeks. It was ideal. I was grateful at the time for managers who recognized the logic of paying people for getting work done, not for hours and minutes spent at a desk in an office. So now Apple has ordered office workers to work in the office at least three days a week. This isn't the first time Apple has made this demand, but the company backed down previously because of COVID spikes and pushback from employees. But as of the 5th of September, Apple employees are expected to be in the office on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Individual team members will set one additional in-office day, Monday, Wednesday, or Friday. There's still pushback from employees, though. A group called Apple Together circulated an internal petition to tell managers that workers are happier and more productive when they work from home. The British publication Financial Times obtained a copy of the petition that says the company's senior leadership is ignoring compelling reasons why many employees should be able to continue to work from home on whichever days they feel work best. You can read 20 Years Ago from Home on the TechBiter Worldwide website, or from anywhere else for that matter. In 2002, Walmart was offering astoundingly cheap computers, just $200. It wasn't exactly a powerhouse, and it didn't exactly run Windows. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn. There's more on the website, techbiter.com, and if you have a question or a comment, use the contact link you'll find there. Stop by again next week for another session. <laughs>